This morning, I have a question for you. And the question is this. I want you to think about it. This is not a trick question, but the, the question is this. Blessing. How much do you want? Blessing. How much do you want? And you're all looking at me really scared, but this really isn't a, a trick question. I don't know about you, but I want it all. I want it good measure. I want it pressed down. I want it shaken together. And I want it running out all over. How about you? Is that what you want? Really? Is it what you want? That's what I want. I want it all. You know, God's so in love with His people. Uh, he loves us. You know that. You know, you can rest in knowing that God loves you. He loves you with all, all His being. So much that He was willing to come and give His Son for us. That we could be called children of God. That much love. We serve a Father who loves to give good things to His kids. To His children. Just as you fathers out there love to give good things to your children. Do you not love to bless them? We know that every good and every perfect gift, where does it come from? It comes from God. From above, and it comes down from our Father of lights. He is out to bless us. One of my favorite scriptures is Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. There's thoughts of peace, not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. God has a plan. The moment that you were conceived in your mother's womb, God had has a plan for your life. A journey all mapped out. And he's got something special for you. Because he loves you. And you are unique. You are his workmanship. Well, he also has a desire that 100% of that plan, 100, not 60%, not 30%, not 10%, but 100% of that plan come to pass in your life. Is that what you want? That's what I want. I don't want to stand before the Lord and have him say, oh, but there was more. I want to stand and I want to, I want to know that I've done what all I could do to get that 100% fulfilled in my life. Is that what you want? That's what I want. Really bad. How bad do we want something? Well, God has given us a key to unlock the door of blessing and fulfillment in your life. He's given you the key. And the key is obedience to his voice. That's the key. Boy, the room's real quiet now. <laughs> this is something that I've walked. It's not something that I'm just theoretically speaking this morning. It's something I've walked and done and been there. And it's been burning on my heart the last few weeks to share. 
In Exodus 19, verse 5, it says, If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me. Can you imagine us being a special treasure to Him? I know that He's a treasure that lives within us. He's that treasure. But can you imagine us being a treasure to Him? That's a mystery. That's a mystery. And yet He said, if you will, if you will hear my voice, if you'll obey my voice, and if you will keep my covenant, or put action to it, do it, then you'll be a special treasure unto me. Wow. All I can say is wow. How many of you parents out there love, 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 love it when your children obey what you ask them to do? Put your hand up. Don't you love it? I've never had the experience. <laughs> well, it's amazing. You know, it's... it's, it's uh, it's amazing how much blessing you get from your children when, when you ask them to do something simple and they just say, okay, and go and do it. You think you drop off, the floor, off your chair thinking, what happened? You mean I don't have to explain it? You mean I don't have to coax you into doing it? You mean I don't have to, to give you all the reasons why? You just did it? Wow, what a blessing. Can you say amen to that? Amen. amen. <laughs> well, God loves obedience from His children too. In fact, He absolutely delights in it. Just as you delight when your children obey you, He delights in it. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams let's not stop there sacrifice and offering you did not desire this is the psalmist speaking but oh my goodness my ears have been opened I get it I get it burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require I know what you want from me God what you want from me is a heart that delights to do your will. You really didn't want burnt offerings. That wasn't in your heart, but what your heart was is to have a people who delights to do the will of God. That's what makes him happy. That's what you take great delight in. Let's just talk about obedience for a minute. You know, sometimes when we hear the word obedience, we get a negative feeling about it, don't we? We think, obedience, obey. Hmm, we'll see about that. But I'm here to tell you this morning that obedience always, always, always brings a sweet result. Always. For the one obeying a directive, it can be bitter. Because it comes across what we want to do. Maybe we didn't have it sorted that way. Maybe we don't want to do that right now. 
So for the one having to obey, there's a choice to be made. And that choice is, will I choose to surrender what I want to do and follow what you want me to do? That's the choice. And that can be bitter. Yet, ultimately, if we will make that sacrifice, the result, I guarantee you, the result of that obedience will be sweet. And you wouldn't want to miss it. Because the one giving that directive definitely has a purpose and has a good result in mind for you. Just as a father tells his child, or a mother tells her child, please don't cross the street with the heavy traffic without me holding your hand. But the child wants to go anyway. The child wants to speed across and head into the store without you. And you're running along behind them. That's what they want to do. But that child doesn't realize the dangers that you're keeping them from. And that directive is because of love, is it not? It's because of love. So we need to turn that around and think, well, if God is giving me something to do, if God is asking me to do something, you know what? It must be for my best interest. It must be. Because my Father only gives me good gifts. And my Father directs me only into a good path and a good plan. But obedience can be costly. Obedience always requires faith and trust. Always. It requires faith to believe that you've heard the voice of God and it takes trust to trust the God that you heard from, to trust His character. Does God really have His best interest in mind for me? I think maybe that, might, that road right there might have been better. Are you sure? Did you really hear that? I don't know. I think that was just a figment of my imagination. It takes faith. Does it not? Because even when we do hear the voice of God, our, our mind gets going, yeah, right. That wasn't me. That was, that was just, that wasn't God. That was just me. So it takes faith to believe. It takes trust to believe in the character of God. And it also takes sacrifice to choose to surrender to follow the word that you've heard. I want to just tell you a couple little instances in our lives where obedience has been so very sweet and only a couple because there is not time but I want to take you way back to when we first got married some 38 years ago we were living in a tiny little house four-room house and I tell you what the bedroom was big enough to flop out a sofa bed and you couldn't walk around the sofa bed it was filled the whole room and so you jumped in and out like that out the door so we were living in a small little room uh, four-room home and it's just so happened that Eugene was driving school bus right for a living hard work hard work but there was a job in the Brandon City Transit which we thought that would be great and there was a guy off sick so Eugene had been going down to the office quite a few times because he, he was the youngest driver that they ever 
took on. And uh, he kept going down and hammering their door saying, I want a job here. I want a job here. I want a job here. Finally, I thought, oh my goodness, just to get rid of the guy, I think we'll hire him. So, <laughs> so he had a temp job while this fellow was off sick. Okay. He was doing the bus route that night. And there was a, a concert going on at a certain church in town, which I went to. Loved it. It was absolutely fabulous. But when it came offering time, I heard God say, give $30. No, 60. Give 30, or $60. I was thinking pounds. Give $60 in the plate tonight. Right. Okay, well, look at the checkbook. God, that's... That's it. That's all we have in the bank is $60. That's it. How can I possibly? We're just married. I don't want to go home and get into trouble the first, you know, a couple of weeks with me married, you know. So what do I do here? I didn't know what to do, but I knew I'd heard God. I knew it. So Eugene was driving around and around right past the church where I was at. So I let the plate go by. And I didn't put it in because of fear. And I knew I'd done wrong. I knew I'd done wrong. And I knew I'd missed a blessing. And I went home that night. And Eugene came in after me. And I said, you know, you'll never guess what happened. I was in a, this concert. And he says, yeah, I know. I saw it. I was going round and round every half hour. I saw it there. And I said, I was impressed from God, and I know it was God, to give $60 into the, into the plate, into the offering. But that was our last bit of money. That was our last bit of money, and I just didn't do it because I didn't want to do it without asking you. And he says, you know what? While I was driving around, God spoke to me too. And he said to give all we had into the plate. And I said, what? You mean I missed it? I missed it. And I prayed, the two of us prayed, and we said, we are so sorry. Number one, I missed giving, I missed obeying God's voice. Number two, God had a blessing for them and for us, and we missed it. So I prayed, and I said, okay, God, I confess, I own it, I blew it. But what are we going to do from here? I still would really love to give this money away. Who can I give it to now? So the next day, you know, I, I actually, I, I prayed and I asked the Lord, is there any way that somehow, is this group gone? Could I possibly get it to them somehow? We got in the car, we went to the shopping center. And who was in the shopping center? Big bus. There it was. In the parking lot. So you know what we did? We went up to their door. We knocked on their door. We told them the story. They invited us in. They hugged us and we all wept. We gave them the 60 bucks. And said, be blessed. And you know what happened? I'm going to tell you what happened. A couple days later, the bus people phoned Eugene up and said, you know that tent job that we had you on? Well, it's just turned to permanent. It's just turned to permanent. 
You see, obedience is always sweet when you've heard the voice of God. One more story, and I know I'm taking time here, but I think it's important. This was early on in our ministry years. We received a letter from, out of the blue from Haiti from a man called Leslie Bertrand, a pastor there. How he got our address, I will never know. But he sent us a letter saying, will you come and help me? Will you come and help me? We didn't have two nickels to rub together, to be honest. We were just skimming by. And yet, we felt that God had sent us that letter for a reason. And we felt that it was of God. And so, Eugene went. He went. I don't know how he went. We didn't have money to go, but he went. And he made an initial contact with Leslie Bertrand. Turned out to be a very God thing. But, while he was there, he stayed in an orphanage. And he heard those little girls, it was a girls' orphanage, up in the middle of the night, singing their praises to God. Had nothing, they had nothing. Yet praising God with all their hearts. And God put it in our hearts. And he spoke to us to build a school and a church in a certain area in association with this pastor who was overseeing many pastors. So we, Eugene came home with this. I said, absolutely. Absolutely. I have no idea how we're going to do this. None. Because, you know, the finances just aren't there. But we prayed and sought God, and we knew that God had spoken. So, long story short, we ended up fundraising. We did whatever we could. Money still wasn't really in there, but we committed to Leslie saying, yes, we're going to come, we're going to build this, build this church. And that's a whole other story about the, the pastor where the church was going to be built for. A whole other story. Our boys wanted to go. Wow, really? You really want to go to Haiti? Yeah, we want to go. They were, how old were they, 9 and 12 maybe. So we said, okay, if you want to go on this trip, this is what it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you every last dime that you have made for your paperwork, paper route, this year. It's going to cost you. You have to pay for your ticket. We don't have it. But if you want to go, you get putting your money together, and you can go. And you know what else it's going to cost you? It's going to cost you Christmas. There is no Christmas at our house this year. This trip will be your Christmas. We were going in early December. What do you think of that? Yeah, 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 that's good. Are you sure? It's going to cost you. Well, they went on the trip. Miracle of miracles, finances came in. I think we needed something like $20,000 for the project. Piece by piece, by miracle by miracle, it came in. We had the money. Praise the Lord. We got a, a team together and workers to go down with us and we put up a church cinder blocks they made their own cinder blocks built the church slathered it with mud i don't know what they slathered but we had a church up we had an orphanage or we had a we had a school in place and a church building these people had been sitting out in the rain for years going to church 
Our boys went and helped. Wheelbarrows. Nine years old. Wheeling back and forth. Women with pots on their heads carrying water. I mean, it was quite the production. But that church got built. Now, I didn't go on that trip. Eugene took a trip of men. I was at home. While I was at home, a letter came through the post. I opened it up. And it said this. A check fell out. A large check. And it said this. This is a gift. This is not for your bills. This is not for your mortgage. This is not for any of that. This is for Christmas. We had the best Christmas we'd ever had. <laughs> Believe me. Obedience is sweet. Not only were we blessed, but Haiti was blessed. Just by listening to the voice of God and being bold enough to act on it. No finances were there for it. But as we obeyed, God parted the waters and made a way where there was no way. You see, we have four possible responses to a word from God. Or in the natural, your child has four possible responses to you when you ask them to do something. Number one is to disobey. You think about Jonah, the story of Jonah. He was asked to go to Nineveh to preach. What did he do? The Lord says, go this way. He went this way. I'm going to Tarshish. I'm getting on a ship and I'm getting out of here. I'm not doing that. Right? That's our first possible response. Is to, to disobey. The second possible response is, well, maybe, maybe I'll just delay a bit. I'll dilly-daddle around. I know God has spoken something to me. But you know what? He'll be around for a few years and so will I. And so maybe I'll do that ten years from now. A delayed response. The third possible response is to obey only in part. A partial response. Well, okay, God, let me just barter with you a little bit. I'll do this bit, but I'm not doing that bit. Yeah, I'll do that, but no. The other, ah, that couldn't have been you. I'm going to put that on the back burner for, for another day. Partial, res, uh, partial obedience. The fourth possible response is to completely obey. And what gives God the greatest delight is when we cry out and say, Lord, I get it. You've opened my ears. I know what you want. It's, I delight to do your will. Well, let's talk about following God's directive here just a little bit. Sometimes his word is very intricate and very involved and very detailed. And I think about um, how God s likes things done a certain way. 
Think about Noah and the ark, where they're not specific uh, specifics that he had to follow with building that ark. There was a blueprint, was there not? What about Moses' tabernacle? Oh my goodness, there's six chapters of detailed instructions to put that together. How many of you ever had a flat box and had to put it together? Well, that was nothing compared to the tabernacle of Moses. Joshua going around Jericho, there was a certain way God wanted it done, you know? Go around the city once every day and you know the story. Sometimes, you know what, I think that's easier. It's easier just to take instructions and follow them. It's just easier to take instructions and follow them than, than this. Sometimes we get a simple directive. Simple. Simple to follow, yet very difficult because it touches us directly and it causes us to have to decide whether we're going to sacrifice or not. Simple directive, but I think it's harder. Let's look at Abraham's life for a little bit. Abraham was given a commission and a promise. In Genesis 12 verse 1, it said, Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Simple, right? Is that hard? Was that six chapters of instructions to do? No, it was simple. He was asked to get out from his country, away from his relatives, out of his father's house to a land that he'd be shown. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I'll bless those who bless you. And I'll curse those who curse you. And all the families in the earth shall be blessed. That was his promise. But he had a directive to follow. Let's make it personal. Now the Lord had said to Darla, Get out of your country. Get out from your relatives. Leave your father's house to a land that I will show you. Simple. Simple directive, right? But when it demands personal sacrifice, that's when it gets tough. And look how I've been blessed. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear well let's, let's look at Abraham's life a little bit you know Abraham was just a man was he not yes he was a father of great faith he was one of the great fathers of the faith and yet he was a, he was a man he was human was he not and let's look at Abraham's responses to God's voice to that directive you're going to be maybe shocked at this but Abraham's first or Abram's first response was to disobey. You're going to think, what? What do you mean he disobeyed? Well, did he not get out from his country? Did he not leave his relatives? Did he not do all that? No, he didn't. 
We're going to go to chapter 11. Just before chapter 12 where we're given the commission, it just dawned on me recently that that had been spoken a lot sooner than what we see it in Scripture. God, it said that God had said, and we're going to see how. Chapter 11, verse 31. Now Abram had a father named Terah. He had a brother named Nahor, and he had a brother named Haran. Haran died, but Haran was Lot's dad. The family took Lot in as a son. Abram took Lot in as a son because Sarah, didn't, Sarah was barren. So Abram kind of swooped him up and under his wing. And I'm sure Granddad felt responsibility for him as well. Verse 31. And Terah, Dad, took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, and they went out from them from Ur of Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran and dwelt there. Who led who out? Abram was given the word, but it was Dad that led Abram out. Look at it. Abram was supposed to leave Dad behind. And leave Lot behind, leave the brothers behind. And he didn't. He didn't do any of that. In fact, he must have shared it with his family, but it was Dad, it was Terah, that gathered the family up and said, Right, we're going to go. And obviously, they had sought God and heard that it must have been Canaan, because it says in, in, that cha in chapter 11 that they left Ur of Chaldeans to go to Canaan. So they'd heard, the, they'd heard the word from God. So Abraham's first response was to disobey. The second response he had was to delay his, his obedience. It says in the latter part of chapter 1131 that they came to Haran which is a town, city, area, and dwelt there. They were told to go to Canaan. They were not told to go to Haran and sit and camp there. But they did. And they lived there and gained wealth until Terah died. Now, just going to show you a little map, just so you can see where we began. We started here. Ur of Chaldeans. They were called to go all the way down into the land of Canaan. But what they did was they stopped part way up in Haran. And it's interesting, the word Haran means delay. And they sat and they camped there for years. And Terah, dad, died there. Then you know what else happened? You know what the next response was? was instead of Abram saying, Right, Lot, we're going to sit down. Dad's gone. We're sorry he's gone. 
but he is gone. What I need you to do is make a decision because God's original voice to me was that I was to leave my family. I was to leave my land. Well, I've done that. But I was to leave my family behind. So you've got a decision to make. You need to either stay here, Lot, or you need to go back home. But I'm going on to Canaan. But no, he didn't do that. What he did was he entered into partial obedience. And instead, of, they did move on. They did move on, but he took everybody with him. So there was a partial obedience there. Did Abram make mistakes? Well, sure he did. You know, he did. He didn't obey the original word. They delayed at Haran. He took his family with him. And then he had a big blip. Abram did. He went down into the land of Egypt. He got down. He got to, to Canaan. There was a famine. God didn't tell him to go down into Egypt. He went. We realize why, but he, in, he went. He shouldn't have gone. And what happened in Egypt was that he found himself compromising and lying. He, he found himself uh, accumulating Hagar. And we all know what happened with Hagar. He became wealthy due to mis deceit there. That wealth caused problems later on between Abram and Lot. Problems between Sarah and Hagar. And ultimately Ishmael was produced. And we all know the problems that set in with that issue. So Abram, yes, he did make mistakes. But you know what? God is bigger than our mistakes, is he not? We all make mistakes. We all make mistakes, but God is bigger. And he has a way of turning what seems like an impossible situation around for good. He's a master at it. He's a master at it. But you know what? We all have choices to make. And every choice we make has a consequence. Every choice we make has a consequence. Every last one of them. Good choices. We're trying to install this into, into our we one. That good choices bring good fruit. And bad choices bring weeds. That's why we're told in the scriptures to choose life. Amen? Who's going to choose life around here? I am. I am. Now let's fast forward into... Oh my goodness. Let's fast forward to Genesis 22. My, one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. Genesis chapter 22. We're fast forwarding in the, in the life of Abraham. The son of promise has been born. Isaac. And yet, one day, God spoke and said this. What an ultimate test of faith. Abram, yes, here I am. I want you to take your son. You know the son of promise, the one that you love? Your only son. And I want you to go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I'll show you. Right, simple directive, right? Simple, not, not complicated. 
You what? So Abraham's response was early in the morning. He saddled up his donkey and he took two of his young men with him and Isaac. And they saddled up and away they went for a three-day journey into the land of Moriah. And away they went. Can you imagine being asked to take one of your children? Go up a mountain. Build an altar. Lay your child on there. Grab a knife and be ready to pierce him through. That's what he was expected to do. But you know what? Abraham got it. He got it. You know that? Abraham got it. Finally, he got it. He'd been through disobedience. He realized the trouble that that caused him. He'd been through delayed response. He realized that he'd wasted years in fulfilling God's plan for his life. He had been through a partial obedience. And look at all the trouble that Lot caused him. Lot went and pitched his tent towards Sodom and all that. They had to split up and Lot took this part and Abraham took that part and Sodom got, uh, Sodom got into the heart of Lot, into the heart of his wife. And what a mess. He realized, yeah, you know what? All that causes me trouble. This time round, when God gives me a direct, I'm just going to up and obey it. I'm just going to do it. I'm not going to quibble. I'm not going to argue. I'm just going to go. And I'm just going to do what God asked me to do. He got it, finally. And it says in verse 10, that Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Complete obedience. Complete obedience. And the result of that, God says, because you have done this thing and not withheld your son, your only son, blessing, 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 I will bless you. And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. All because he obeyed. God's plan was now able to be fulfilled. Amen. Amen. May I give you a quote from a pastor that, um, the, of the church we attended prior to coming here? He spoke a message, and we were in the process of seeking God. Do we come to Northern Ireland or don't we? Is this, Lord, is this your voice or isn't it? We were through that, going through that process. And, and I would say probably I had a more difficult time getting through that process than Eugene did. Eugene was away, but I, I let him listen to this. He was away in, in ministry. But this is what Pastor White said. Quote, compromise has a cost. How many times do we compromise on the call that God places on our lives? How many times do we give in to selfish thought and motives that are strictly human? 
Do we give in and follow a direction that is only factored through our individual perspective when God gives us something else? How many times do we interfere with the plan of God? How many times do we compromise our own ministry when God calls us to a particular ministry and we are disobedient to that? Abraham compromised because he didn't fully obey the call of God and he wasted years. And that quote went deep down into my heart and really there were several confirmations but that's kind of what clinched it for me was that God was speaking and how could I do anything other than obey because I realized that if I stayed and if I said no I'd be limiting myself my ministry my husband's ministry I would be limiting I'd only get to the 60 percent maybe and that hundred percent perhaps would never be fulfilled and I just couldn't bear that I couldn't bear it and so the only recourse was just to obey and say Lord I delight to do your will we will do what you've asked us to do we will we will and we know that blessing is is on its way because of that so what do we do if we've gotten off track? Just like Abraham, he got off track, and I'm almost done. Abraham got off track, but what do we do? I'm going to give you some how-tos here. What do we do if we get off track? Well, we do exactly as Abram did. If we go back to Genesis chapter 12, verse 7, it, Abraham heard the voice of God in that place. Once he got to Canaan, he heard the voice of God. He built himself an altar. He put a stake in the ground and said, God has spoken. I heard him. There it is. Verse 7. In verse 10, he ends up going to Egypt, getting himself into trouble. But when he realized and left, he left Egypt, he came up. Chapter 13, 1 to 4, it says that Abraham gets back on track by doing this. He went back to the place where he put a stake in the ground and where he'd last heard God, where he'd heard God speak to him. The anointing of God was on him. He went back to that place. And you know what he did there? He called on the name of the Lord. And God will speak. So if we get off track, and we all do, now and again, get off track, come back in your heart to the place where you knew you know you got off track. Come back and call out to God and he will answer you and he'll bring you back and how to so how how many of you like high how to's how many of you like a road map when you're going somewhere like me going into Belfast I like my my um, my sat nav on because I don't know where I'm going how many of you like a sat nav other than me come on be honest so here's a how to Number one, acknowledge. Acknowledge the fact that you've gotten off track. Lord, I got off track. I, I disobeyed you. Just like giving the $60. I went to God and I said, Lord, I blew it. Just acknowledge it. Face it, own it. Don't make excuses for yourself. Just, just acknowledge it. 
Number two is repent. And repent really is a, is a word that means to turn around. You're going this way. You're going to repent. You're going to go this way. So just make a decision. Change your mind. Go the other direction. The next one is just to, to make a decision and obey God. Simple. Just do it. Embrace the word and do the word. That's all you have to do. Acknowledge it. Repent. Make a decision and embrace the word and do it. And you're back on track. That's your part. Now, God can move in and do his part and fulfill his will on your behalf and just watch the blessings start overtaking you. Just watch the blessings. They will t overtake you. Remember two things and then I'm done. The Lord is poised and he's ready to bless and fulfill his will his purpose and his promises. He's poised and ready. He's given us the key to unlock the door of blessing. And that key simply is obedience to his voice. And one last scripture says, Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience and revering him for the Lord is bringing you into a good land amen? amen it's bringing us all into a good land now would you stand with me and in closing we're going to sing an old chorus and I hope you know it it's just in my life Lord be glorified be glorified you know that song very good